this in the room, and I knew there was something about this man that I just wanted to be around him. And uh, so I, you know, it's awesome to be able to come here and to see what God's doing in this place. You know, really, for me, it feels like I'm at home here. Because when I hear the DNA that you guys carry of intimacy and, you know, just the hunger for God, I got to spend some time in prayer upstairs and to hear, you know, uh, your generation crying out for holiness and to be set apart for God. I just like, I'm like, wow, Jesus, you're doing something. You're doing something here. And uh, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say this about you guys. And I don't know who individually this is for. I think this is a corporate word and a word for each of you individually. He just said, you're special. He said, you are special. And I don't know who needs to hear that tonight, but you are special. There's something very special that God is doing here. Um, and I don't understand the fullness of it. All I know, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I don't know exactly what God's doing. I just know when God's doing something. I'm a little bit slower than the average guy, but I know that God is doing something here. And it's really a blessing for me to be able to come and to share with you guys a little bit of our journey because I feel like God's been preparing us to walk together with you guys. Um, and so this is just another opportunity for our hearts to get connected and for you to hear, you know, what Jesus has been doing in our hearts and wherever we can meet up. We're, we are so, I'm, I'm so excited about having Clint uh, be part of the staff at Trinity Works and that God gave me the grace to, I, I don't, I miss it a lot. So to, to get it right and to, and to hear the Lord say, move your meetings to Friday nights. We've got a group of, uh, about 60 to 80 men who meet on Tuesday nights called Men on Fire. And uh, very strong focus on intimacy and evangelism. And actually, I made a commitment to them, if you guys will just accommodate me, that we would pray. They're actually, we go out on the streets once a month. Um, so we meet, you know, every single Tuesday. And once a month, we go out on the streets. And tonight, they're out on the streets right now. So if you guys would just come into agreement with me, I'd like to pray for them because they're having encounters Jesus is encountering people on the streets of the Twin Cities this very moment. So let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I thank you, God, that you have touched uh, the men at Men on Fire, and I'm sure there are others that are out in the streets tonight, God. Uh, I'm sure there's others that are out in the streets all over America and all over the world right now, evangelists that you've raised up, end-time messengers, Father, because the hour is urgent. The darkness is increasing, Father, and many are being lost. And so I'm asking, Father, that you would release a boldness in the spirit to your messengers tonight, Father, that you would put your word in their hearts, that you would put your love in their hearts, God, that you would pour out a revelation of Jesus on the streets of the Twin Cities tonight, that you would empower your servants, God, to release the gospel and to move at the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're asking for divine appointments across these twin cities, Father, that you'd be raising up apostles and prophets and messengers, even from the harvest field. We know that there are many that are called to the harvest that are still not even in a saving relationship with you. So we're asking for them tonight, God, release a revelation of Jesus on the streets in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about my journey first. I'm gonna crack this open here. Um, I was uh, I grew up in a in a middle class home. Uh, I was born in North Carolina, and then we moved to Chicago, Illinois. My sister was born there, and then we moved to Fargo, North Dakota. So we've had quite an interesting journey. We share kind of a, you, you've got some North Dakota, don't you? Something connected to North Dakota, Clint? 
A few times. Okay, so you just you just visited there. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. All right. I, I forgive you, man. I forgive you. Um, and uh, grew up kind of in a nominal, you know, nominal. I, I wouldn't even say Christian home. I don't, I don't even want to attach the the name of Christ to it because it wasn't a live faith in any way. We, you know, I went through confirmation and uh, went to uh, undergrad and studied philosophy. You know, my parents said, you know, you can choose to go to church or not go to church. They didn't really have any kind of live faith at all in the Lord. And uh, and so <clears throat> I went to studied undergrad, got a philosophy degree. So I studied all the great thinkers of the world uh, that didn't seem to help me, you know, find myself. Uh, and then I came down to the Twin Cities to go to law school. And I went to the law school at the University of Minnesota in the middle of that, basically, I, you know, I grew up watching television and believing that what we, what's really going to make us happy is if we have lots of money, if we hang out with beautiful people, if we drive nice cars, you know, if we live a, a kind of the lifestyles of the rich and famous. I don't even know if anybody even remembers that show, man. That's a long time ago. Um, but that was, that was what I was being fed throughout my childhood. And so when I got out of law school, I went and got the fancy car. I got the BMW and I got, started wearing the Armani suits and staying at the W hotel and flying around the country and even in the nations and, you know, basically thinking I was all that. But the truth is on the inside, and I want to tell you guys something, I sat in rooms with people that have more money than you could possibly spend in a lifetime, billionaires, people who literally could not spend all their money. And as I look back, on those same people, they're some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my entire life. So what I can testify to you, I don't know of any of you, I mean, you guys are all on fire for Jesus, but if there's anybody that's got any glimmer that the world is going to hold something for you, I just want to encourage you that it's got nothing. It has nothing for you. And so, um, you know, there's two types of people, I, I like to say. There's the kind of people who can receive truth. Or there's the kind of people that need to hit the wall at 100 miles an hour and kind of get broken, and then, then they're open to the things of God. And then there's another type of person who can see someone hit the wall at 100 miles an hour and go, you know what, that looks like it really hurts. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to, I'll just voluntarily submit. Yeah. And I was, one of, I was the first type. I was the first type. So I hope you can hear my 100-mile-an-hour story and not have to hit the wall yourself trying to pursue things outside of God and His kingdom. Um, so... In the middle of all this, God plants a, uh, he planted a mole in my organization. He had, there was a backslidden Christian hidden in, uh, in my life. And it was my personal assistant. She had grown up in a Christian family, but had stepped away from her walk with the Lord. And otherwise she probably wouldn't have gotten close to my life. I was the kind of guy who believed in God, but he never got in the way of anything that I wanted to do. So I believed in a kind of God that I could kind of, you know, pull out when I wanted to sound spiritual. Um, but I never really met the real one. And she, uh, she had started to go back to church. Her mother was, uh, had a radical conversion experience. She was about, uh, she was, came out of a Catholic background, was giving birth, having her third child. And, and as she was in labor, had an encounter with the, with the Lord and came out of her labor born again and on fire. Yeah. Talk about, come on now. You can't tell me our God's not creative. I mean, <laughs> and I'll tell you something, you know, as an, I've been an evangelist for, for seven or eight years now. There's nobody comes into the kingdom the same way. That's how awesome our God is. He's radically creative. There's a different key that opens every single heart, which is why we've got to be in this place of intimacy with him. We've got to hear 
what God's saying in order to in order to hear what that key is to open someone's heart. So her her conversion experience was so powerful that 70 people in her extended family came to the Lord. Out of her Come on now. I mean that's that's cuz somebody praised Jesus up in here, man. That's radical, man. That's radical. So her daughter is my personal assistant. You know, little did I know Jehovah Sneaky was was coming up on me. So God, in his mercy and his grace, he just takes his hand off of my life and stuff starts to fall apart. You know, if we have any revelation of how much grace really is on our lives, we would be gripped by the fear of the Lord. And, and I hope we are, you know, the fear of the Lord, because there's so much grace. Just the fact that we're breathing oxygen right now and our heart just it just beat, beat again. Beat? What's the plural of beat? Boat? <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll make up words. Boat. My heart just boat. One more time. <laughs> Jesus, help me. It's part of my humility training. Okay. So um, she, she, begins to, she begins to go, while, this, you know, while my life starts falling apart, she begins to go to this church out in Golden Valley. And, uh, she, a few more things happened to me. You know, I was, this is all during, you guys remember the dot com kind of explosion? You get, you know, yeah, where everything's like all marketing. I mean, I just, I, that was my world. I just lived in the marketing version of reality. Um, anybody ever experienced that kind of the marketing version, even at church? I mean, you go to church and everybody's got a smiley face on, and, but really on the inside, there's something else going on. That, that, that's who I was, um, where you don't even know who you are anymore. And uh, she she start, she invited me out to this church, and I went out to the church, and everybody had their hands up, and was, you know, the music was booming, and I'm like, what planet is this, you know, planet weird, you know, but but something about it, the peace that was there, the peace that was there gripped my heart, and so I went through a season, maybe three to six months, where I would go and attend this church and then kind of live my crazy lifestyle, the nightclubs. It wasn't unusual for me to blow $500 or $1,000 in a night. Just crazy, lavish lifestyle. And uh, about three months into that, a few more things happened. And I was in my, uh, had a condo right off Lake Calhoun. And she was on her phone uh, with, her, with her mother. This is the, it's what I call a fire-breathing intercessor. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got There's a. By the way, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to introduce you guys to a fire-breathing intercessor. Could you guys? Uh, that's Carrie Kimmel right back there. Do you guys see him, Carrie? Can you say hi? Yeah, give honor the man of God. Let's let's bless him, man. Right on. These Carrie and and uh, and 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 this and this mother are the kind of intercessors. They start praying, and like the paint starts coming off the of walls and. Bark starts peeling off of trees. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So she, she, my assistant, my assistant turns to me and she says, would you, would you like to get some prayer? And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I've had like 10 disastrous things happen in my life in the last six months because God by design, how many know that a lot of our trials are by design, by design to bring us into brokenness and surrender? Paul Anderson, by the Spirit, brought a powerful word on trials and testing and how God uses that to bring us into a place of surrender. Well, he was doing that with me, and, and I said, you know what, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd love to have some prayer. So she hands me the phone, and I give her about five, ten minutes of my, you know, sob story. And uh, it was all about me and how my life sucked and, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, I'm just being real. That's where I was at. She starts praying, and as she starts praying, she breaks into a spirit language. I didn't even know what it was. And to be honest with you guys, I didn't care. I didn't have any theology to get in the way. So she starts praying, and stuff starts lifting off of me. And all of a sudden, this presence washes from the top of my feet, top of my head to the bottom of my... It was that strong a presence. I didn't even know where my feet were or my head. You get the idea, right? I mean, you're just, you're not here anymore. You're somewhere else. That's where I was. And all of a sudden, all the striving and all the, all the boozing and all the womenizing and all the, all the emptiness of the world, it, it came into a clear framework. And I said, this is what I've been looking for this whole time. And uh, I ended up on my knees, tears streaming down my face, and I knew that God was real, that I hadn't lived for him, but from that moment forward, I was going to. And that was, that was nine years ago, and this presence stayed with me. Of course, you know, we, we find out that's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Um, and I had received the baptism. Of the whole, I mean, I just got the whole thing right up front, you know, just the whole full meal deal. Yeah, bam. That's what, that's what intercessors do to you. Yeah, the prayers just stack up, and at just the right time, the Lord pulls the pin, and they all come flooding down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I met some, some uh, pastors, some pastor's kid, my kids, my brothers over here, and uh, I was just encouraged, as a, you know, because my kids are ministry leaders' kids, to hear how the power of prayers brought them, you know, back to the Lord, and they had their own experiences of falling away. We all need to kind of go through that, I think, to some degree or another. Um, so from that moment on, uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And when I had had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and I found out that this God of the Bible was real, I said, you know what? I am so not interested in the marketing version of anything anymore. I'm not interested in the marketing version of the world. And I'm definitely not interested in the marketing version of Christianity. So when I come here tonight, I just, I'm coming here to be real with you guys, to share the raw heart of God. And to just let you guys know what he is, what he has put in our hearts, because I believe that there are people in this room who are being raised up as anti messengers in this hour. Um, there is an army that God is raising up across the nations. It's not just with us, but there are soldiers in this place. And you might not even know who you are yet, but we're going to be praying that the Holy Spirit will come and mark you. I mean, we're going to pray some dangerous prayers tonight. Amen. Everybody ready? All right. Yeah. All right. We'll get you while you're still in the presence of the Lord. We'll pray them. Yeah. Um, you know, out of, out of that experience, out of that experience, um, I began to really have a passion to see other people experience the same thing. That's, you know, the passion for evangelism comes out of our own experience of the kingdom of God. You know, the reason why it's so hard to get people ramped up and amped up to go out and do witnessing and evangelism is because we don't, we don't have a revelation of the kingdom. But when he grips your heart and ruins you for the kingdom of God and releases a revelation of eternity and exactly what this is all about, there's nothing else that will satisfy you. There's nothing more incredible, beloved, than watching somebody before your very eyes. Have you ever seen the dead raised? Anybody in here? I've watched the dead raised, and I'm not talking about physically raised. I'm talking about spiritually raised, which is way cooler. I don't know. It might probably be pretty cool to see a dead body come to life. I mean, I'm not going to diss on that, but I'm saying watching dead people come to life, I've watched it happen over. I get to, that's my job. 
I get to watch dead people come to life. And it's, man, are you kidding? I got to pinch myself and go, I can't believe I get paid to do this. It's it's unbelievable. Um, But we started to really have that passion. I started going to my friends and my family and you know, you know, at first I was a little bit naive. I thought that really all that, all that they were short was information. You know, if, if I just ran up to somebody and said, you're not going to believe this. Jesus is real. That if I told them that God was going to come down and open their heart and it was, it was going to be on. Well, you know, it doesn't exactly work that way. He does do that, by the way, but he does it. John 663 tells us human effort comes to nothing. And early on in my walk, I didn't understand that, that evangelism is really the work of the Spirit, which, by the way, is good news, right? Because we suck. We're not good evangelists. I mean, have you ever tried to talk somebody into the kingdom? I mean, it's the most ridiculous story ever. I mean, really. I mean, okay, God came down to earth and he died on a cross. For, you know, you, you stop there when you're in the flesh and you go, okay, they're just not buying this. This is a revelation thing. It's a revelation thing. And the cool part about that is that all we've got to do is to do what Jesus tells us to. And he comes down and he opens their hearts. It's awesome. And there's such a freedom to go out and share with people because you know it's not about performing. It's not about getting just the right words right. We just stand there and Jesus does it. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. So we began to, you know, I started running around like just a crazy man telling my family and my, you know, friends about Jesus. And because the conversion was so dramatic, many of them came to the Lord. Um, my dad, uh, he, was, he had a Ph.D., so he took a while. How many know Ph.D.s can get in the way of salvation? Okay. Anybody experience that, the Ph.D. obstacle? Okay. The good news is, is Jesus can break through PhDs and he can break through anything, man. So my dad is a radical Jesus freak and he's up in Fargo doing things for the kingdom of God. It's just awesome. Um, we had, uh, so we did that for a season, two or three years as we were trying to figure out, you know, who we are and what we're doing. Um, and, and, uh, then the Lord began to call us into, uh, he just released a grace for creativity because we were crying out to him going, God, there's so many lost people. <laughs> I mean, have you guys noticed how many lost people there are? I mean, you go to the grocery store, you go to the, 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 the Super America, and they're everywhere. You can tell because they're miserable. <laughs> you can just see on their face that they're lost people. Okay, they've got that depression thing on them. They've got that somber look. Okay, and the older they are, the darker it is. Okay, so they're everywhere and we're, we're saying, God, how do we do, you know, it's, it's crazy getting caught up in the heart of the Lord because you start to have a heart for reaching out to people and then you realize there's no way we can do this without him. And so we started to pray and, and the Lord began to release a grace upon us as a ministry for creativity. And uh, one of our first outreaches, we were downtown, we were uh, volunteering with a ministry called Club Three Degrees, which is downtown Minneapolis. That's where I met my wife. Uh, and she, by the way, is a far more radical evangelist than me. So you guys, if you get the opportunity to meet her, man, she, she, yeah, man, I get, I get provoked by her. I mean, she is zealous for the Lord. Um, she, uh, she's also an audio mixer. She, we call her DJ Trinity, man. She just mixes up, mixes up mean tracks, but she took a Greg Boyd sermon. How many of you guys have seen the Matrix movies? Anybody seen him? Show of hands. A few of you guys. Okay. 
powerful, I mean, it's not truth, but powerful metaphor of the idea that there's a reality that we can't see. There's a reality that we can't see that might change everything. And the Lord, um, a, a pastor, a uh, guy by the name of Greg Boyd at Woodland Hills Church. Anybody know Pastor Greg? Awesome man of God. He did a sermon on, on the Matrix movie. And when we got it, um, we said, man, we should like mix this up. This could be a cool evangelism tool. You know, let's mix up this sermon with some club music and, and let's put, and let's put the gospel on it. And so we, we, we mixed up this compilation and we thought, well, we're just going to go out and, you know, hand this out. You know, we'd run into people all the time. We're like, Hey, check this out. And then we started getting, you know, the Holy Spirit started giving us other ideas like putting together a little baggie with a red jelly bean and a blue jelly bean in it. You guys remember the movie, right? The red pill and the blue pill. Take the blue pill and you'll forget everything that I've said, but take the red pill and then you go down the rabbit hole. And, and taking the red pill is giving your life to Christ, right? You share the gospel with someone. You say, take the blue pill. Anybody not know the movie and you're just going, dude, move on. Okay, couple. All right, that's enough. That's enough witnesses to move on. So you guys get the idea, though. And, and, and so we thought it was a personal evangelism tool. Well, one night I'm, I'm doing security in the front doors of Club Three Degrees in downtown Minneapolis. And the Spirit of the Lord starts speaking to me and saying, I want you to, Halloween was coming up, this is September. I want you to dress up as agents from the Matrix movies and I want you to go out on Halloween and I want you to give these CDs out. And that was the, f and so I was, I shared the idea with the, uh, the, the guy, the pastor, Steve Alexic, uh, over at Club Three Degrees and he said, there's a guy that you need to meet. His name's John Tolo. Anybody know John Tolo? Okay, so John Tolo, yeah, this is cool, man. This is totally Jesus. So he's like, I think he's got, I think he, you know, uh, I think you guys need to connect. So I, I called this John Tolo guy, and he's got some printing shop. He's like repairing printers over on White Bear Avenue. And I go meet with him, and the spirit just falls on our meeting. And I say, well, you know, I was telling him about this outreach. He's like, that's crazy because the Lord just put a Halloween outreach on my heart in downtown at Club Three Degrees. I'm like, you're kidding me. He said, and by the way, we, we do CDs. He's, how many know John Tolo does anything? Okay. So he was in the CD business and he, so he, John Tolo, that was the first time we met, did all our CDs, uh, for Escape the Matrix. And we went out that night and the Spirit was beginning to teach us how to do the work of evangelism. And he said, I don't want you to approach anyone. I want you to wait and I want, they're going to come to you. And when they say something to you or engage you in some way in the street, that's how you're going to know that my spirit has prepared them for what's on this CD. I said, might as well try it. I mean, he's God. Let's check him out. So we go out and we had, we had uh, 20 or 30 people dressed up as agents from the matrix, man. I mean, the shades, the earpieces and everything. And we went out loaded with these silver, they look like nuclear football briefcases, packed with gospel CDs and the red pill and the, uh, the red jelly beans and the blue jelly beans. And over and over again, people would walk up to us and say, hey, aren't you guys, and they're, they're kind of drunk and they're, you know, a little bit of spirit of stoopy on them. So they go, men in black? But that was good enough. And we go, yeah, that's right, men in black. Here, listen to this. Listen to this, and after you listen to it, make a decision. Take the blue pill or the red pill. Powerful, man. We had just 
cool stories. There was a guy, the first year that we went out, we were walking down the street and um, we were walking by a guy who is uh, one of the, they have strip club promoters and club promoters downtown handing out little cards all over the place. You guys probably don't know anything about that, but um, yeah, I'm a recovering sinner. So I, okay. Right on. Awesome, man. So we're walking down there. We're walking down there, and this guy starts handing me his, his little strip club postcard. I'm like, I was being a little religious. I'm like, no thanks, buddy. And I kept walking, and the Spirit of God arrested me. And he said, I want you to go back to that guy. And so, okay, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go back. So I go back to him, and he's like, this is incredible. He's like, you know, who can't, he thought we were promoting for one of the nightclubs, all dressed up as, you know, agents from the Matrix. And he said, who is, you know, who, who, what club are you guys promoting? He said, we're not promoting a club. He's like, well, whose idea was this? He's like, we're like our fathers. (laughs) He didn't get it. Yeah. So we said, hey, this is for you, man. He, He goes, wow. And he was just mesmerized by it. We gave him the little baggie with the red pill and the blue pill. He's just mesmerized by it. And then, and we started what we said, well, hey, man, have a great night. We'll see you later, man. Listen to it and then take the red pill or the blue pill. He's like, right on, man. So we start walking away and then he stops us. He says, hey, wait a minute. Can you guys come back? Could I get another copy of that? He said, I, I, I really feel like I am supposed to give one to the owner of the club, the nightclub, strip club. He said, actually, I think we could get this played in the club tonight. Are you kidding me? Jesus! Jesus, man! Jesus! Jesus! Only Jesus can get the gospel played in a strip club. Come on. Okay. Oh man. So just to just to let us know how cool he was, though, how awesome our God is. It was a year later, and we prayed and we said, God, do you want us to do this again? We felt like he said, yes, I want you to do it again. I want you to go out on Halloween, and I want you to release my spirit in Halloween against the spirit of the age. And so we went out, and, and it's so cool because we'll just, we'd gather together, we'd pray, and all the teams would go out and say, Holy Spirit, where do you want us to go? And we'd just go where the Holy Spirit would tell us to go, and we'd have divine appointments. It's so awesome when you're just flowing with the Lord. And I remember being on First Avenue, it was just packed, you know, Halloween night, everybody's just getting crazy on Halloween, all the people are in crazy costumes, and everybody's drunk and drinking and high, and all of a sudden, the Lord gave me a picture of the red light district, you know, kind of the, there's an area on Washington where all the strip clubs and sex shops are in Washington, he gave me a picture of that, Deja Vu, over on 2nd Street in Washington, and uh, I'm like, okay, Lord, I, th- I think I understand what you're saying. So we start walking down First Avenue, and all of a sudden the Spirit arrests me and says, turn left here. The Spirit wants to tell us, like, you know, whether to take a step forward or a step to the left. How many know God's interested in that level of detail and direction in our lives? I know you guys know that here because you live that DNA, but I just want to encourage you in that. There was no, I'm telling you, from the natural mind standpoint, it made no sense. There was nobody down that street. I'm looking at a packed street with like thousands of partiers who need Jesus, who are looking for Jesus. They just don't know it. And the Lord is telling me, I want you to take a left here. 
Well, you know, after about a thousand or ten thousand times of the Holy Spirit telling you to do something and it all works out just fine, you know, and supernatural stuff happens, you just start to learn to go with it. So I take a left, and as we're walking, walking down the street, a man walks out of the dark. He's got a suit on, a suit coat on, and all of a sudden his face recognizes us. He goes, I can't believe you. I am so glad you guys are out here tonight. He's like, I listened to that CD last year that I got so many times that I wore it out. He said, everybody needs to hear what's on that CD. He said, where are you guys going to church? And we were able to minister to him and to encourage him to get plugged into the body. You know who it was? It was the strip club promoter from the last year. Are you kidding me? That's who our God is. Hallelujah. Praise him. So as... um. I just wanted you guys to get a sense for the level of creativity of our God. I mean, he's just, he's awesome in that way. Um, a couple years into this, we really felt like we had a calling to begin to mobilize the church because we realized very early on that there's no way that I can get into relationship with the 2.8 million people in the metro area that need Jesus, okay? So God, how do we do this? How do we mobilize the church? How do we stir, how do we release passion to do the great commission and to live out the great commandment? And he began to teach us and to give us, uh, to give us strategies to do that. I'm not going to go, um, uh, I'm not going to go into all those. You, well, you guys saw when the first aid for your soul CD was, he, he began to give us what we call evangelism power tools that we could put in the hands of believers that even if they didn't feel like they could share the whole gospel message, at least they could deliver a CD to somebody and then the Holy Spirit could do the work. You know, these tools are very effective because in our culture, one of the strongholds that we're facing is pride. Nobody want, We are so jaded. We've been so oversold everything. In fact, we can't even go to the bathroom without somebody trying to sell us something. Right? Amen? So what that creates is a jadedness in us that we're skeptical and we want to know the hook on everything. So it's very difficult. I mean, it's possible by the Spirit of God. It's difficult to approach somebody just cold and begin to engage them about the gospel. Now, as you grow in the things of the Lord and the spirit of evangelism, you can walk in that. But many people are closed off. But in the emptiness of their private time home alone, you know, they'll take a CD in the emptiness and the loneliness of their life. And I'm telling you, I don't care what kind of how fancy their suit is or how nice their car is or how nice their home is. Every single person in this city is broken without God. There's brokenness on the inside of them. Don't let the, the veneer fool you. I was a veneer guy. You would have said, no way am I going to approach that guy. Totally hostile to the gospel. You know, there's no way he'll receive don't don't walk in that you know god will make they are there is emptiness there so he began to give us these power tools that we could put in the hands of believers that they could give and then in the privacy of people's homes we had just powerful powerful testimonies of people coming to the lord people uh, in bondage set free that came out of those so he began to talk to us about mobilizing the church and and about three or four years into this journey um, the lord began to speak to me about walking in greater boldness in evangelism um, and I want to share this principle with you guys. He was speaking to my heart, and I want to speak to yours. This is the same message that I share with pastors. I say, pastor, ministry leader, beloved, you cannot walk with any authority in evangelism or talk about evangelism unless you're living it. It's like anything in the kingdom. You know, unless you are walking in it, you have no authority to speak about it. 
And so the Lord wants to raise up a generation that's got real authority. And he was dealing with me on this issue about three to four years into this journey. You know, we were really good at handing out CDs and doing crazy creative outreaches. But I got to be honest with you, I hadn't done any street preaching or, you know, anything like that. And and I felt like God was calling me to go with um, some evangelists that we were in a relationship with uh, out to New York City. So I began meeting with this evangelist that came out of an extended time of prayer and fasting. And this evangelist said, well, uh, he received it. He said, yeah, I feel like you're supposed to go with me. And we were going to go out to New York and we were going to do street witnessing and open air preaching. I'm like, okay, man, I mean, this is going to be all Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to go for it. And it was amazing that all of a sudden when I got on this missions trip, my whole heart posture changed. And I'm like, I'm here. Like, you know, you know how you go through your ordinary life and you just... You just kind of go through ordinary life and you're not, you know, you're not thinking about witnessing it 24 hours, but something happens when you go on mission. Something happens when you go somewhere else and all of a sudden, you know, hey, I'm here to tell people about Jesus. I better get about the business of telling people about, and just your openness. I call it a God awareness. It's like there's a switch that, that turns on in our spirit that make, turns us, tunes us into the spirit and all of a sudden we're scanning and looking. And I'm going to tell you, the minute that 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 switch gets flipped in each of us, we're dangerous. (laughs) Because now we're a weapon in the hands of of, of a holy God. I'm telling you, man, that's all it is. All we got to do is open our ears and we get dangerous. And the devil and the demons start running. Okay, so I went on this trip and, and this boldness came on me. I started to just literally, I'd walk down the streets and and. And it was so amazing. All it is is just being friendly, actually. And you're walking down the street and you just connect with somebody else's spirit and all of a sudden their spirit would connect with yours and you'd know the Holy Spirit was doing something there. Um, so, I, you know, one of the things that... Uh, there were a couple challenging things. We went to two areas in New York. One was, um, one was an area called Williamsburg. Um, do you guys know anything about Williamsburg in New York? It's a Hasidic Jewish community. Um, let me see if I could... These are the ancestors of the Pharisees, okay? Does that give you a sense for who we're doing? Ultra-Orthodox Jews. And he said to me, the, the brother came back to me after I'd said yes to this trip, and he said, there's two areas I think we're supposed to go. One is uh, Wall Street. And I'm like, that's right. Those are my people, man. Those are my people. And then the second one was this Williamsburg area. Well, I got online. I started reading about it. They're like bricking people. I mean, they're like bricking missionaries in New York and kicking them out. I mean, they don't play. This isn't a joke. You know what I'm talking about, man? Yeah, bricking people. That that ain't that's not playing. So all of a sudden, and I'm I'm just telling you guys, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, but I feel like the Lord wants us to have a sense of gravity of what we're dealing with here. And there's going to be more and more of it. I was so encouraged upstairs as I heard about just people's hearts to really we're going to see a time in our nation where there'll be great persecutions against those that are believers. I'm not talking about lukewarm Christians that are just, you know, playing nice and, you know, not getting in the devil's face at all. But those that are really pursuing the heart of God, um, it's a war zone out there. So um, the other thing that happened on this trip was uh, a ministry that uh, the, the, the evangelist that I was there with had God had laid this on his heart. It was something called Subway Church. And uh, as he shared it with me, he said, yeah, Subway Church. Basically, the way it works is that we get in the subway and the doors close and we start church. I'm like, dude. I'm like, dude. I got to tell you guys, here's the transparency. Yeah, here's the transparency. I was, I was afraid. 
I was really struggling with Subway Church. And I'm, I'm sitting, I'm literally, he's sharing this. Well, he shared it with me the night before, but we're on the subway and he's like, dude, you ready? I'm like, dude, no, man. Not ready. No, dude, I'm not, you know? And, uh, and I'm sitting there and as, as I'm wrestling with God, this guy stands up in the subway and says, hey, my name is John and I'm going to school for opera. And, you know, if, if, you know, I just want to sing. And if you want to help me out, help me out. And this guy starts singing this aria on the subway. And as I'm sitting there, the spirit begins to speak to me. Do you see what this guy's doing for something that's not going to last? Would you stand up for me for eternity's sake? <sighs> what do you say? When God talks, you know, you're just like, I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm like, God, give me boldness. So we proceeded to have Subway Church about 10 or 15 times. We would stand up. The doors would close. We'd make sure we had a, an extended run. We'd get about five minutes. We would stand up. As soon as the doors closed, we'd say, we'd like to welcome you guys to Subway Church. said it's been specially designed for New York busy New Yorkers. We've we've taken a 90 minute service and we've condensed it to 5 minutes. So the good news is we don't have time for an offering. And and we don't accept donations. But God's got a message for you. He loves you. And then we would share the gospel with them, the gospel of love, the gospel of relationship, not religion. And after we'd share the gospel, we'd say, listen, we have, we had our testimony on CDs and we had Bibles and we said, if you want to know how you can have a relationship with this God that we're talking about, a real relationship, if you've got depression you need prayer for, if you've got healing in your, or, or sickness in your body you want prayer for, we want to pray for you. And I'm going to tell you something. The Spirit of God would fall every time we would do this. And you know what would happen? The believers would start getting ramped up. The believer, you start hearing hallelujahs and amens on the subway. All the closet Christians would come out. You're like, hey, wait a minute. We're supposed to be doing this. That's right, brother. Preach it. They're waiting for someone to do it. It was, it was amazing. It, my faith shot through the roof. My faith and boldness in the Lord. How many know that boldness comes from letting ourselves, letting the Spirit of the Lord take us outside of where we're comfortable? As you let the Lord take you outside of the places that you feel comfortable, He releases boldness and faith. It's, it's amazing. Every single time we would do it, we'd have five to fifteen people raise their hands I'm talking about jaded New Yorkers. I'm talking about people who, from a worldly standpoint, you'd be like, these are the last people who would listen to the gospel. Five to 15 hands would come up every single time we would do this. And we would begin to go around and hand out our testimonies with Bibles as fast as we could and pray with people. And I remember this one, I, I mean, I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. But the Spirit of the Lord was really moving on this. 
And as I walk by one, one brother, normally we, would, we wouldn't approach people who, you know, hadn't asked for something, but I just felt quickened in my spirit to hand my, to ask this guy if he, if he wanted a copy of my testimony. And he turned to me and he said, Oh no, I'm, I'm a believer. You know, he kind of, he waved me off and the spirit of God quickened me again. And I said, actually, brother, you're exactly who I'm looking for. I said, I want you to take this and I'm going to pray that God will show you who you're supposed to give it to. And I want to commission you as a messenger of the gospel right now. And I started praying for him and just commissioning him by the authority of the Lord. And all of a sudden I got done with the prayer and the spirit had touched him and he looked up and it was like the lights had come on. All of a sudden he had been activated It was a sleeping believer who was just waiting for someone to come along and commission him and activate him for the Great Commission. And that changed everything. All of a sudden, we began to realize, you know what? We've got an army on our hands sitting in churches waiting to be mobilized. And I believe that this is part of that army. And so I'm 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 coming just to say to you, you guys are, if you don't know what your calling is, if you haven't heard a word from the Lord, this is what I want to say to you. Every single one of you, you are an end times messenger of the gospel. Every one of you can grab that and run with it. You're an end times messenger of the gospel. Um, so we began, um, we began to see, I, I just wanted to give you guys a little, that was the intro. You guys? Okay. All right. Here we go. Now we're going to get serious. Let's get started with this word. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> there were two over, over the years, we, we started to see two key pieces of kingdom DNA coming together in us. One was intimacy, intimacy with God. And I've heard that here. And I'm so encouraged that you guys are walking in that. And the second was spirit led evangelism. We are part of We've been Trinity Works, and I believe you are part of, and there's many, this is a global move of God in the nations right now that is a marriage between the Great Commandments and the Great Commission. There is a marriage. God is preparing, He's prepared a marriage between the place of intercession and worship and missions. I was so encouraged a couple years ago, I was listening to the IHOP, and I'll talk about that in a, actually right now. How about that? Whoa, we got there. This is awesome. Um, I was listening two years ago to uh, Lauren Cunningham down at uh, One Thing. You guys remember that? Um, Lauren Cunningham and uh, Mark Anderson of Call to All and Mike Bickle and, of course, all the IHOP leaders down there. And as they began, I mean, God had been weaving this into our DNA. And all of a sudden, we hear at a, at a global level the witness of the Holy Spirit saying there is a global move going on, a marriage between the great commandment and the great commission, the place of loving God and then loving him so much out of that place of intimacy, out of the out of his presence, bringing forth the word of the Lord in the gospel, out of the presence of God, releasing his works, the works of God out of the place of intimacy. Amen. Okay. Um, we started hearing this and, uh, at the end of that gathering, I mean, I was so stirred in my spirit. I'm like, Jesus, this is who you made us to be. How do we fit into this? I'm hearing Mark Anderson from call to all saying, you know, they're talking about the great commission being completed in the next 10 to 25 years, beloved. I mean, we are in the end days, 10 to 25 years, which of course is a fulfillment of that prophecy in Mark that says the gospel will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. We're in that generation. You are in that generation. 
where that is not some far-fetched thing. That is something that the, the missions organizations all over the world are believing God for and the Spirit is stirring them and provoking them to go to the places where the gospel hasn't been preached. How many know that we are one of the least reached nations in the world? You don't have to go to outer Slobovia to find people that don't know Jesus. Actually, beloved, we, we have... Yeah, when you find that on a map, let me know. It's hidden. It's hidden. <laughs> we, we have the nations here in the Twin Cities. We have the largest Somali population, a huge Hmong population. I'm telling you, the Lord has given us the nations right here in our cities. Uh, and it's a radical mission field here in the Twin Cities. Um, during that time of listening uh, to, to these mighty apostolic men of God, um, the Lord, it was like he pulled back a curtain in the spirit. I'm, I'm one of those guys that if God shows me something, I start running at it. And he knows how he made me, so he doesn't tell me a lot of things. He just keeps the curtain pulled, and when it's time to pull the curtain, he pulls it back. It works great. Yeah. And uh, But this curtain gets pulled back, and, and the spirit of the Lord says to me, I want you to plant a missions base in the heart of downtown Minneapolis, in the red light district, that will be 24-7 worship and 24-7 evangelism. With worship before the Lord 24 hours a day, and you guys are familiar with 24-hour worship, but then 24-7 evangelism, sending teams out into the city every four hours, 4 a.m., 8 a.m., 12 noon, 4 p.m. I mean, teams of people. And then later, as... As I received this, as I received this, uh, this sort of vision from the Lord, this mandate from the Lord, and He's come and confirmed it many times, and I don't have time to go into all the prophetic history, but as we get into relationship more, you know, as God partners us with Communitas more, hopefully we can share some of the details, and now that Clint's gonna be on board, you're gonna hear more about what God's doing, and, and we wanna know what God's doing here. As I listen to some of the visions God's given Communitas, it's the same vision. <laughs> You know, we're all working the same vision, beloved. It's all God's vision for the city. So it's just a matter of us like waking up and going, okay, where, you know, how do we plug into what God's doing at Communitas? You know, how do we walk together to do this thing? Um, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over the, over the months, over the months since that vision was released, the Lord has been preparing us and teaching us what it looks like to have a missions organization and a missions base of that magnitude. And He's been raising up messengers and, and doing all kinds of work in our hearts. Um, transformation, of course, you know, Firebase, that vision really starts in our heart and every work of God starts in our heart. We can't do the works of God on the outside until the inner works of God, you know, he's completed the inner works of God in our heart. And of course, there's grace for us. So he gives us grace to do the works of God while we're getting cleaned up. But he really is set upon our hearts and getting our hearts in the right place. Amen. Okay. So we we have received the mandate and you guys heard it a little earlier tonight to raise up 300 full time evangelists. Now, I want to just give you a little bit of breakdown of what that means. That means 50 teams going out every four hours. 50 teams, and each of those teams would have two to four people on a team. So an evangelist is raising up a team leader, and then those two are raising up other messengers, or they're taking out guests. We're, you know, God's called us, and I think he's called many of us to be on-ramps for the church to come into from wherever they're at into radical Christianity. 
How many people know that the Holy Spirit is beginning to normalize radical Christianity? Actually, that's been his intent from the very beginning. Have you guys read this thing? I mean, these people are radical. These people are crazy. I mean, they're doing stuff like Jesus shows up and goes, drop what you're doing and come with me. And they do it. Come on. When, when does that happen? He's bringing us back to that place. And I'm telling you, my own testimony as a recovering lawyer, okay? That's right. I'm a recovering lawyer. As a recovering lawyer, I am watching him. The shakings that have begun in the nations are, are beginning in the church. And God is taking away. I was so blessed by the prayer that went out before the meeting tonight. God is taking away every source of life and every place of security that's outside of him. And as he does it, I'm watching him literally take apart people's lives. And they're panicking and they're going, I don't have any grid work for this kind of Christianity. I don't have any theology that lines up with this. What about the blessings of God? What about the goodness of God? I'm sitting there laughing as brothers are losing everything, going, brother, this is the goodness of God. You're just not there yet, but believe me, hang on. You know, don't turn away and he'll show you because he's removing everything that hinders complete abandonment to his purposes. So guess what? God's taking away houses and he's taking away jobs to get us to that place of complete abandonment. But what we need to do is we need to be as believers. We need to be in a place of understanding so we can minister to those that are going through this. Okay, that's why he's preparing, he's preparing forerunners and messengers with understanding of the deep things of the Spirit and saying, hey, this is part of the consecration process. You losing everything is actually part of God's preparation for your work in ministry. I'm telling you, beloved, he's doing it in this hour and we're watching it because we're like, God, you're going to have to wreck people before they'll, you know, you know, become a full-time evangelist. Are you kidding me? Like, who does that? And he's doing it. He's doing it. We're watching him do it. Um, so we, we're, we are, our call is to recruit, train, and deploy end-time messengers. And that's what I'm here to do, to recruit, train, and deploy end-time messengers because I believe some of those are you, not necessarily to work at Firebase or to be part of Trinity Works, but to be part of the army of the Lord that's not going to be run by any one person or any ministry that he is raising up in this hour. It is the most radical thing you could do with your life is completely give it over to God. Amen? All right. How are we doing on time? Keep going? We okay? All right. All right. Here's the deal. I want to I wanna cover a little bit, a, a couple things, just about the signs of the times. And I know you've got some uh, professional eschatologists here. Um, my, my <laughs> I love you. I love you, man. I'm so glad we get to run together, brother. Um, my, my, uh, is that even a word? Professional eschatologist. My end times, my end times theology is really simple. Jesus gave it to me. He said, he said, live every day like it's the day I'm coming back. That's what he gave me. So that's what I'm walking out. But it's important to know the signs of the times. We need to understand what's happening in the nations and what, where are we on God's timetable? Um, there's, there's a couple things I want to bring forward. One is there's, there's an increase in darkness. I don't know if you guys can sense it, 
but there's been an increase in darkness even in my own generation. I mean, the speed of information, the speed of, you know, the level of gross darkness in culture. I mean, I grew up and, and it was okay to play in my neighborhood. It's, it's not okay anymore. You know, I mean, you know, and again, I'm not trying to release a spirit of fear. I'm just saying, listen, there's a battle raging and it's heating up as it comes towards the end. It's intensifying it as it comes towards the end. We know from scripture in the book of Revelation that Satan's been thrown down to earth and he's very angry because he knows how little time he has. And that's just going to increase. So there's an increase of darkness. We believe, beloved, the darkness is going to increase to such a degree. That is why God is calling his people into a place of deep intimacy in this hour. He's actually preparing us and growing deep roots in his word and in his spirit so that when everything falls apart, and I want to assure you, everything is falling apart. Everything is being shaken. Everything is being shaken. I don't know how many of you are finance majors, but I was a corporate finance attorney. And so I understand some basics about the underpinnings of the U.S. economy. I'm telling you something. It is vapor. It's vapor. It's held together by what I call Holy Spirit duct tape right now. And the minute the Lord pulls one little string, the whole thing comes down. But he's waiting. He's holding back. He's holding back so his people can be prepared because there needs to be his people standing in his presence that when everything falls apart that we know, when every world system collapses, there are people standing in the presence of God that can say this way to the kingdom. Hallelujah. At the same time that darkness is increasing, we are seeing the spirit of the Lord pouring out in the nations like never before. Never before the, the, the prophecy in Joel two about the spirit being poured out. He is responding to the gross darkness with radical grace, which is what his character is, even in the midst of judgments being released. And beloved, it is not God's heart to release judgments on the nations. But there comes a time where he cannot hold back anymore because the injustice in the nations, the child pornography and the genocide and the destruction, he cannot hold back the judgments or else everyone will be lost. And so at the same, half of his heart, I had a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This is like three weeks ago. And I was literally, you know, writhing around on the floor. You know, there's, there's these times where the Lord will give you like what I call a thimbleful of the anguish that's in his heart. And this was one of those times. He just poured out a thimbleful of what he was feeling. And I could feel the Father's heart and it was rent over the condition of the nations. He said he cannot hold back judgments upon the nations or everyone will perish. And then the other part of his heart was wrenched because of the destruction of the wicked. He doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked. So you've got half of God's heart rent over the condition of the nations and the other part of his heart wrenched over the destruction of the wicked that's going to happen as the judgments are released. That's the God that we serve. And so he's calling us to rise up as you. Do you remember what happened to the sons, to to Korah and his sons, Korah and his family as they were leaving Egypt and they were going to the promised land? And they were in the spirit of rebellion. And Moses said, God is going to decide who is really of the Lord and who isn't. And the ground opened up and swallowed up Korah and his family. The Lord said that is a, that is a forerunner. That is a, that is a prophetic picture of what will happen in the end times. And these shakings, literally physical earthquakes across the nations are going to draw people in. But again, beloved, it's God's heart. Now, the interesting thing is, as, a, as the Lord began to continue to minister to me out of that scripture, he said, now notice, Stephen, what happened with the Israelites. All of the people that were watching Korah destroyed, you, you know what they said? 
They said, can you believe these holy and righteous men have been destroyed? It had gotten so, they had been so twisted that they actually thought the ones that were in rebellion were righteous. How could these righteous men be killed? So Israel actually took offense at the judgments of God upon these, upon Korah and his family. And the Lord said, then you know what happened? The Lord released another plague on those people because they're angry at God. And the Lord released, and, and check out how this stops. Aaron grabs an incense burner from the altar and runs through the people, carrying the fragrance of God through the people, and the plague is stopped. And the Lord is saying, even in the midst of my judgments, I want to raise up living incense burners of my presence to run through the streets and the nations. And I will hold back the fullness of my judgments because my people are carrying my presence among them. That's the God we serve. That is the God we serve. So even in the midst of judgment, his mercy prevails. But we have our part to play. We need to be full of that incense. We need to be full of his presence. And as we release his presence in the streets, he'll have mercy and many more will be saved. There's a global prayer movement sweeping the nations, as you're aware, 24-7 prayer going throughout the nations. Um, there's a, the greatest harvest in the history of the world is upon us. The greatest harvest in the history of the world is upon us. And I had a, um, I had a vision of... Uh, Let's go to Hebrews 12. Can, we, can you guys grab your Bibles and let's go to Hebrews 12? Of course, you guys remember these uh, missions leaders from all over the country talking about, talking about the completion of the Great Commission in the next 10 to 25 years. It's a significant time. And uh, actually, I think it was close to when I had just visited Paul. At, I'd, no, I had been in a meeting with John Tolo in a meeting with John Tolo uh, in part of the city and was driving over to another meeting. And as, I'm, as I was driving, I started to have this open vision. And uh, as I'm having this open vision, I see myself running like it's a, a marathon. It's a long-distance race. And I'm not a runner, so this has got to be God. It's definitely not my flesh. So I'm running, and I, I've got this baton in my hand. And so I realize it's a relay of some kind. And as I'm running, I, I begin to realize there's this huge crowd of people that's gathered around, alongside the street, and they're watching me run this race. I'm like, okay, you know, you know where the crowds gather in a marathon? It's at the end. Amen? Okay, they gather because they want to see how it's going to finish. And I look to the side, and there's Jesus and the apostles and all the Old Testament prophets and they are literally cheering me on. They're saying, go for it! Go for it! You're so close! Go for it! And I'm just getting stirred up in my spirit. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. They are, they are cheering me on. And I'm, I have this sense that we are so close to the finish line. And I just worship God for the next 10 or 15 minutes in the Jeep. I said, thank you so much, God, for that encouragement. But I'm giving the encouragement to you, beloved. Whatever your plans are, get rid of them for the sake of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Get rid of everything. I mean, if, you, if you've got two options, become a missionary or go do something else, become a missionary. We're in those, we're in those days. We're in those days. We're so close to the end. And, and, and they're gathering like a crowd of witnesses. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. This is what the word of the Lord says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin, the sin that so easily trips us up.
and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Does that sound familiar? Lined right up. God will always give me a word that goes with a vision because he confirms his word by two or three witnesses. So we believe, we believe that in this hour, in this generation, that we have been blessed by God, that he's actually been deliberate about putting us in the, in the last days. And he's raising up messengers. He's calling us to return to normal Christianity, normal, radical Christianity. I want to tell, tell you guys one more story and then, um, and then we'll see how we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Then we can go into worship. Okay. Um, I was, um, we did this outreach called Big Camp. And Big Camp is basically like a three or four day retreat. We call it immersion evangelism, where we'll go off on a piece of property. This particular property is about 240 acres up by Ely, Minnesota. And we'll pray over the land and consecrate the land to the service of the Lord. And then we'll consecrate our own hearts to the service of the Lord and go into prayer and fasting and just prepare for this outreach, prepare a place that will welcome the presence of the Lord. And uh, at this particular Big Camp, there was a guy named Paul who came up to big camp and Paul was, uh, Paul was a hazmat guy. He, I mean, a high end hazmat guy. He'd be the kind of guy that there'd be a train wreck and there'd be like nuclear waste that would leak out of a train or something. And, and he would go with a team and like clean it up. So real high end, like hazmat cleanup guy, uh, would lead teams into crazy places all over the world. And, uh, he got a little crack cocaine problem and the crack cocaine problem really took him out. Um, but he had a friend that was connected to the ministry that invited him up to big camp. And while he was there, he had a radical conversion experience. Um, I'm talking about the kind where the snot's flowing. You guys know those kind of, you guys ever, you guys ever seen a snot salvation? Okay. You know, you know, that's real, right? Yeah. Nobody's going to go for that unless God's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not very graceful, but that's what it is. Um, so he has this radical encounter with God and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you guys just to build you up in faith, uh, because he, he got so set on fire for God. We had a, an outreach the next week in downtown St. Paul, uh, street evangelism it's something we call like a, uh, I th- called it a siege or something or fire siege or I don't know, some crazy name. Um, but it's where we, we, we'd have worship, public worship. And then we would do evangelism in the area where we were doing public worship because it changes this. How many know worshiping God changes the spiritual atmosphere? That's all that, that needs to happen is we just go out and worship God. He comes down and does the evangelism. It's just, it's a cool plan. It's a God plan. So we're down there and uh, the Lord says, I want you to take him with you. So I go around with him. And if you ever want to see God move, take a new believer with you to do evangelism. So I, I, I go out with this new believer and God, literally, we're having God appointments one after the other. People getting healed. People giving their lives to the Lord. Commissioning guys as pastors to the city who are taxi cab drivers, you know. I mean, yeah, nut, nuts. And we get done with about seven or eight appointments, including people getting healed. We end up in a corner in Rice Park. And I'm standing there. I'm talking to our, one of our other missionaries, a prayer leader. And I got two new believers just got saved up at big camp one week ago. We're sitting there talking, just talking about how God's awesome and he's moving. And all of a sudden, a bus pulls up and a guy gets off the bus. And all of a sudden, the, the, this guy, Paul, like whips his head around like he just picks something up, like a scent. <laughs> you know, he turns and he picks up a scent. He's like, and I noted it. And then all of a sudden, the other believer looks and she's like, 
They're both kind of looking at each other and looking back at the guy. I'm like, are you guys getting anything? They're like, yeah, I think we're supposed to pray for that guy. It's super serious. You know, they're like, they're intense, man. They're into this. This is like crazy. And they're like, I'm like, we'll go over there and pray with them. So they're like, okay. And they walk over there, two new believers. And within about a minute, they're talking to some guys like seven foot two, 350 pounds, you know, and with it tatted up and piercings all over the place. Within two minutes, they're praying with this monster of a guy. And I just looked over and I'm like, they don't need me. So I go, I went back to the center of the park and just started worshiping. I'm just worshiping Jesus. I'm like, God, you are so good. And within about five minutes, uh, Paul walks up with a guy next to him and he's kind of like waving me, like trying to, he sees I'm worshiping, but he's trying to like give me one of the head nods, like come over, come over here. I'm thinking, yeah, whatever, man. And I start worshiping again and the Lord's like, go over there. So I stop, I go over there and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, uh, David here wants to give his life to Jesus. I'm like, okay. Okay, we'll see. So I start sharing the gospel with him and really laying it on thick. Because, you know, we don't want somebody to say, agree to four spiritual laws and, okay, bless him and say, you guys are in. We want to lay the gospel on him. Like, hey, brother, uh, it's over. <laughs> it's over from this moment. For I'm just being real with you guys. I'm not into the marketing version of evangelism. We need to do the real thing where the spirit comes and radically impacts somebody. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to stand tomorrow. Tomorrow the devil will come and beat the crap out of them. They'll be wondering this Jesus thing doesn't work. Well, because you didn't hear the real Jesus thing. The real Jesus thing is the total surrender. That's the gospel. Total surrender. That's the gospel. So I lay it on thick and I'm thinking, okay, this guy's no way is he going to be able to hang with that gospel. And he goes, okay, man, I want to do it. I'm like, whoa, all right. You asked for it, buddy. So we start praying, we start praying for him and the spirit of the Lord falls on this young man and, and the snot starts flowing and you know what that means. This is, this is the real deal. You don't have to have snot. I just, I don't want to create the wrong impression, but it's a good sign. Okay. And then we did some deliverance on him right there because he'd been involved in a background of drugs and alcohol. And so we led him through some repentance and did some deliverance. The spirit had fallen powerfully on him. We're just, I mean, in the manifest presence of God. And, and we get done with all this. This is about 20 or 30 minutes of praying with this kid. And we bring him over to the, to the edge of the fountain in Rice Park and we sit him down and I start, I start getting into the rest of the, of the gospel. Like, hey, this is the beginning. <laughs> now you've got to get connected with community. You need to get into the word. And I start sharing and start discipling him right there. We had another brother walk up while I'm doing that, uh, Hans Lindstrom. He's a street evangelist uh, from Redeeming Love, an awesome, awesome brother. He walks up, and I introduce him. I'm saying, hey, Hans. I'm thinking, yeah, this is cool. Here's your new brother. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. And they hug each other and everything. And all of a sudden, Hans says, do you want to get baptized? And I'm like, he looks at me like, is that what we do next? <laughs> he has no clue, you know. And we just happen to be in the book of Acts. And, of course, we're, they're describing. I was like, actually, yeah, that's the next thing. That's a public declaration of what you just decided to do between you and the Lord. And he does one of these numbers again. <sighs> Let's do it. <laughs> so we take off our shoes and roll up our pants, and we all climb in the, in the fountain at Rice Park. <laughs> oh, 
And I'd already prepped him. I said, this is public declaration. That means all these people. I mean, this is the middle of the business day. So you got business people walking, policemen going. You know, it's it's a packed park. So now all of a sudden the, the, the cell phone cameras come out and the video cameras come out. And they're like, the Christians are doing something weird. Oh, man. So David, literally from the, de- from the depth of his soul, cries out, I'm giving my life to God. And we baptize him in the name of the Father, in the Son, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit of Rice Park. He goes down, and when he comes back up, I felt like it, I, it's the closest thing I can imagine to, to Pentecost because the spirit of boldness fell on us, and I didn't realize how powerful a public baptism is in releasing the testimony of Jesus. Literally, it was like a shockwave. David Hazenberg was there. I mean, the believers were wrecked. The believers were like on their faces. You know, like, I mean, the presence of God was there. And I just began preaching to everybody in the park off of that. I'm serious. Preaching the gospel to everybody who had gathered around to gawk at at the Christians. And the Lord said, and, and the Lord said, there's another woman over there. And I stopped what I was doing, jumped out of the thing and ran over, got down on my knees and started talking to this woman and ministering the gospel to her. And she prayed that Jesus would reveal himself to her right on the spot. Because that, as we do the work of evangelism, God pours out a spirit of boldness, beloved, and you don't even care what anybody thinks at that point. You're so lost in the heart of God and the power of God is there. Um, now, what's amazing about this story is that David begins to come and join us at a fellowship uh, called Men on Fire. You guys heard about that earlier tonight. And uh, he's walking with the Lord and getting healing and deliverance for about two or three months. And um, after about two or three months, he's still got all his old friends and all his old pulls. And he com- comes to us and he says, you know, I'm really feeling like, I mean, these are all lies, but these are the lies that he was he was w- walking in at that time. He said, I just feel like if I follow God, I'm not, he was a drummer. So he was afraid that he was going to lose his big career in drumming if he kept following God. I said, brother, <laughs> God's got a job for you as a drummer in the kingdom. Believe me. And it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be, you know, playing drums at your grandma's Bible study. Okay. Cause he was like terrified that it was going to be some nosebleed type of, you know, drumming assignment in outer Slobovia. If anybody finds that place. So. He begins to tell us, you know, I, I, I want to go back and just see if I can, you know, do this. You know, and, and we, we sat him down and we gave him every scripture in the Bible that says, brother, you do not want to turn back. You do not want to turn back. And we laid it out for him. And he said, you know, I know this sounds crazy, but I just got to find out for myself. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I said, can we pray for you? And I described the prayer I was going to pray because I don't like to pray things over people that they're not in agreement with. I explained the prayer that I was going to pray over him. And I just told him, I said, brother, I'm going to pray a prayer that God will absolutely, totally ruin and wreck and destroy your life if you, you know, as you turn away from him. Oh, yeah, man, it's pretty hardcore. I mean, that's where I was at with this guy. We had relationship and I was just there was the grace there to be that real. So I, I just I said, is that OK with you? And he said, now, this is the amazing part. He goes, yeah, I'm OK with that. Okay. So we start praying. We're in a Perkins in Maple Grove. We're in a Perkins in Maple Grove, and I'm praying with this brother, and I'm praying this just radical, like, wreck him God prayer. And at the end, he goes, 
Amen. I receive that. I'm like, okay. And literally, I mean, the fear of the Lord was on me for this kid because I'm like, this guy is done for. So he, he walks out and we don't see him for two or three months. And we're, we, we went into a, a, something we call gospel month. It's actually coming up in, in June for us. It's just a month that we set aside for intensive evangelism where we'll go out. Like I, I would go out on the streets like three or four times a week, just go crazy and just say, God, would you just use this to reach people? And he, and he does. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, so after an outreach one night, one of our guys, Paul, you remember Paul, right? You guys remember Paul? He's the guy that got saved up at big camp and came down and led David to the Lord, but he didn't even know the gospel, so he had to bring in a, bring in somebody else to help, yeah, do the whatever thing needs to happen for somebody to get saved. Yeah, that was just funny. Um, so he, he reaches out to Paul and we met him at a Perkins and he came to the Perkins and you know the scripture that says, um, be careful if you cast out a spirit, seven worse will come back and into the person's life. That, that scripture is true. And this guy had so much darkness on him. It was unbelievable. He had death all over him. He had, he had, I mean, he had a lot of demons on him. And he walked into the Perkins and he was still high, but his spirit was crying out for God. And he came and sat, he reached out to us and we met with him. It was me and, uh, Paul and another missionary and David. And as we were talking to him, I mean, my heart began to break because I stood, God started to let me feel his heart for this young man. And then the word of the Lord came forth and, and the spirit said this to him. He said, David, you need to go to teen challenge and you need to go now. And the word that I'm, it's a matter of life and death. And after the word got released, literally nobody spoke for five minutes. We just sat there in the fear of the Lord because his presence was so thick on that word. And after the silence broke, he was you could tell he was wrestling with this word. He didn't want to go. He said, well, this and that, and it's like a prison. And he had, you know, the demons. You're not talking to the person sometimes. The demons have every reason why he shouldn't go to Teen Challenge. And the word just came forth again and said, David, you just got to settle the issue whether you're going to follow God or you're going to go your own way. And it's a matter of life and death. Another two minutes goes by. Nobody says anything. We finish eating at Perkins. Eventually he gets up. I give him a hug. I say, man, I love you. He walks away and I turn to these other two guys and I said, he's a dead man. He's a dead man. I had no faith for that. I mean, I had faith, but I didn't have faith. I said, God, it's going to take you to, to, I mean, you're going to have to do something totally supernatural for this guy to, to come out of the darkness that he's in. And uh, we prayed for him and we just released him into the Lord's hands. And about two or three, three weeks later, he called us and he said, I want to go to Teen Challenge. We went and picked him up and he was so demonized that he almost killed himself before we could even get him there. Self-hatred and self-destruction. I mean, he's so demonized. And we did prayer over him and we got him to Teen Challenge. And then the Lord said to us, I want you to, uh, I want you to show him what my heart is for him by bringing men on fire to Teen Challenge. So we actually took our meeting and I'm like, they're never going to let us have this freaking radical men's meeting. And they're, you know, they got a program and they're sticking to the program and it's an awesome program. But all of a sudden, a week later, we got a meeting where we got all the deans and leaders of Minnesota Teen Challenge in a room. And the Lord says, just tell them David's story. So I shared the story with them and they said, yeah, you guys can have a meeting here. (laughs) So we brought men on fire there. And uh, at that time, David was in, 
David was in the 60-day program. They have a secular 60-day program. And uh, not secular, I mean, it's biblically based, but, you know, they, don't, they can't share the gospel and things like that with the guys that are in that program. We had felt like he was supposed to be in the longer course, the life course, which is a 12- or 13-month course. And so we were, we were just praying for him, man. We don't know, you know, God's done it this far. We just figure God will finish, the, finish it with this guy. And uh, he actually got out of the, or in the middle of that 60-day course, Paul went to pick him up because he had to get off some prescription medications the Lord was starting to speak to him and told him, I want you to get off these. He was on some very strong anti-psychotic drugs. And so he went to the psychiatrist and got released to get off those medications. And while they were there, or actually when he picked him up, he said, you know, Paul, I feel like God wants me to go to this life course, this 12 or 13 month course. And Paul says, well, why don't we pray and ask the Lord to confirm that that's where you're supposed to go? And so they prayed. They went to the psychiatrist then they, he said, can you get me a Big Mac? Because they were buying McDonald's. He's like, the food in there is just, you know, it's not Big Macs. He's like, yeah, sure, let's go over there. So they go over there, and they're talking about other stuff, sitting down, having a Big Mac. And all of a sudden, a guy walks up to their table and says, you don't know me, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you you're supposed to be in Teen Challenge. <laughs> and he says, well, I am in Teen Challenge. And the guy says, no, you're supposed to be in the life course. kidding me are you kidding me so this guy walks away and paul's like they're both slack jawed like oh no 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 you got to come back here you got to come back here and tell us how how did you get here where did you come from and the guy said well i just got done with the life course and i was i was i got on the wrong bus and i ended up in this neighborhood and the lord told me i was supposed to come in this mcdonald's and tell somebody something kidding me Jesus Paul looked at David I think that's a confirmation listen to this though this is how this is how hard-hearted we are at the end of the 60-day program David shows up at men on fire and he comes up to me and he says I think I'm going home to be with my family I turned to him and I said, didn't the Lord tell you that you're supposed to be in the life course? He's like, yeah, but, you know, I think I'm, I'm supposed to go home and be with my family. The Lord said, don't say another word. Just release the word. And the message that night was called the gospel of surrender. And at the end of the night, he came up and he said, I'm supposed to go to the life course. <laughs> so David's been in the life course for six months. And that's what I'm, that is normal Christianity, what we're talking about up here. This is normal Christianity. And that man has a radical call in his life. God wants to raise up messengers in this hour. And I believe some of you are those messengers. We're gonna, are we gonna, uh, hand those out real quick? Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, Clint is gonna hand, yeah, Clint is gonna hand these out. Um, we have, God has laid on our heart to put together some training called Messenger Boot Camp. Messenger Boot Camp is eight weeks of intensive training on these two key pieces of DNA, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Uh, four weeks in May of, in, of intense uh, intense uh, training on intimacy with God, how you can get to the point where you can hear God clearly, not just during worship, but while you're at the grocery store and while you're at the post office, 
out in the battlefield. It's what we call battlefield ears. How do we, how do we foster the presence of God and, and welcome the presence of God to go with us after we leave communitas? So how do we walk in the presence of God all the time, which is actually how Jesus did his ministry. Jesus was always connected to the Father. So uh, I want to share this with you guys because we believe that in this group there are people who God is calling to be messengers in this hour. We're going to be praying in just a little bit that the Lord will mark you. Again, it's not about Trinity Works. It's not about Firebase. If you get raised up as a messenger and you do this eight weeks training and come back to Communitas, to me that's a successful deployment because this is a combat unit in the kingdom of God right here. So whatever God leads you to do is, is, is good, whatever's pleasing to the Holy Spirit. But we believe that God has equipped us to raise up messengers in this hour in, in, in the spirit of the, the marriage of the great commandment and the great commission. So what I'd like to do is, uh, the other thing I want to say to you guys before we pray is this. This call in this hour is costly. Yeah. It costs you something. To be trained and equipped as a soldier, and that's really what the Lord is doing right now is His Spirit is hovering over our nation and He's looking for those that are willing to say yes to Him. But it will cost you something. In fact, it will cost you everything. It will cost you eight Saturdays and it will cost you a whole lot more than that. So I just want to encourage you, if your heart is willing and you have ears to hear, to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. If you're being called into this particular training, I'm just going to ask God to speak to your heart. If you're not, and it's going to happen in another season, that's perfectly okay. We're going to be doing this on a quarterly basis, probably once things get up and running. And we know we're going to be in a relationship with Communitas you know, in a lot of really cool ways. So um, what I'd like to do right now, we're going to go back. Um, the Lord spoke on, on this last Sabbath that I was in. He gave me a word, and he said, I'm raising up messengers in the spirit of John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah, and in the spirit of Isaiah. We don't have time to go into that word in depth tonight, but I want to talk a little bit about Isaiah because his encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6, basically what happens is he receives a revelation of eternity. And that's what I'm going to ask God to touch your heart with tonight. Because when you walk in a revelation of eternity, nothing else matters besides pursuing the call of God in your life. All your decisions about where you're going to work and your 401k and everything else, who you're going to marry grows strangely dim. Come on now, let's get real. We need a revelation of eternity. We need God to come and touch us with eternity because that's the only way we can enter into this level of abandonment. It happened to Isaiah though, and it happened in the place of worship, which is why we're going to go into a time of worship because it's in the presence of God that we can actually hear these kind of radical calls on our life. But I'm telling you, beloved, this is normal Christianity. Messenger boot camp, these kind of radical stories are totally normal Christianity. And if you haven't experienced it up to this point, don't be discouraged. But at least say yes to God if He invites you into it. If He invites you into this stream of normal Christianity, don't hold back. If the Spirit speaks to your heart, don't harden your heart. Don't wait till next year to do messenger boot camp if you know you're called to be a messenger. And God is touching your heart in this hour. It might not work with your schedule. I'm just going to be real with you guys. There's stuff that God is, God's coming to change people's schedules. I mean, you know, it seems ridiculous to even have to say it, but that's the culture that we're in. We need to say it because the Spirit of the Lord is coming to provoke us to, to, to radical, normal abandonment to God's purposes. 
Let's pray, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. We're going to ask God for an Isaiah moment for some of you. Father, we know that you are moving in the nations in this hour. We know that you're stirring your people, that you are awakening your bride. We thank you for your mercy and your grace upon our lives that we could even be in a room and hear a message like this, a call like this, because it means there's great grace upon us. Father, I'm just asking that you would come and speak because no one needs to hear a call from a man. They need to hear a call from you, the living God, the eternal one, the uncreated one. You're the one that sets men and women's hearts on fire. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come and mark hearts, that you would come and speak callings over hearts tonight, that you would call out the messengers, the chosen ones, Lord. You say many are called and few are chosen. It's all about availability. It's all that Isaiah moment where we say, God, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Oh God, here I am, send me. Oh God, here I am, send me. Oh, here I am, send me. We're asking that you'd release a revelation of your glory that would cause us to give you a blank check tonight, God. God, release a revelation of your glory that would cause us the things of this world to grow strangely dim in our eyes. I'm asking, Father, that you'd release a revolutionary hearts tonight, God, that you'd release abandonment and zeal for your house, a supernatural work of your spirit. Father, if there are those that are are fearful and apprehensive. I'm praying for grace to be released upon them to say yes to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Release the grace for abandonment. We want to say, here I am, send me. Release the grace for us to say, here I am, send me. Holy Spirit, say, here I am, send me, release the grace to say, here I am, send me, remove the obstacles, oh God, here I am, send me, remove the obstacles, oh God, here I am, send me. Remove the doubts upon our hearts. Here I am, send me. Release the faith to follow you. Here I am, send me. Release the glory, oh God. Here I am, send me. The revelation of eternity. Here I am, send me. Release eternity.
stand and worship for a while. opportunity to respond and so I know Stephen's still here and Carrie as well as myself and Katie will be up here we want to give you, those of you that filled out that sheet and the Lord's putting on that uh, the messenger boot camp on your heart I want you to turn that into me before you leave but if you want to get prayer about this topic I want you to come up to the front as soon as we break otherwise I want you to grab someone next to you and I want you to just pray together about what God spoke to you tonight on how does your life as a messenger look in this season? All of us are going to have different levels of commitment. It's going to look different for all of us. We're just going to do this for a minute. I know it's late, but I just want to give you right now an opportunity to break up. And if you want, if you want to talk to Stephen, you want to know more about Trinity Works, 
or about being a messenger, uh, you can, you, you're, yeah, you're welcome to come to the front. But otherwise, just grab someone uh, next to you. We're going to go into a time of prayer. And then after that, those of you that are new, uh, Paul will meet with you guys upstairs. So, As you split up into groups of two or three, just pray through what you heard tonight. Pray for someone else. Pray for yourself. What God's stirring in your heart, the fire that's in your heart, pray it through. And then come up, meet with Stephen for prayer, or Clint, or Katie. You can just start coming up now. Just start coming up. If you're not going to come up, though, then, then just spin around into a group and pray. Groups of two or three.
newbies, if there are newbies here, you want to come upstairs, meet with the newbies upstairs.